I'm Gary Sice, and you're listening to the Pelador Podcast. Welcome along to the Pelador Podcast. Joining you as always is Ross Trainer, and I have Mick done beside me. How are you, Mick? All good, Ross, yourself? Any not, crack? Too, not too bad, not too bad. We're in the run into Christmas. How are you fixed? I'm not bad. Looking forward to this game on Saturday now. That's what we're here for, isn't it? That's what we're here for, yeah. Any uh, any early predictions? Do you predict a, an upset? <laughs> I'd love to think there'll be an upset. Do I think it'll happen? Not a hope. <laughs> nah. All right, so you're obviously in the... Unfortunately. The, the, green, the green and red camp of Mayo, unfortunately. So, but anyway, look... To combat this, we have a we have a Dublin legend, a Dublin stalwart. He played many many years in the in the blue and navy. Darren Holman. Darren, how are you? Not so bad, Ross. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Look, we'll kick off with a uh, with Sunday's game, uh, Dublin and Mayo, the All Ireland final, five o'clock on Crow Park. Saturday. Saturday. Did I say Sunday? Yeah. yeah. Ah, shut up. <laughs> the way it's going. That's the two Guinness. <laughs> Be quiet now. <laughs> uh, Darren, obviously. Dublin are going for six in a row. Mayo are pretty much coming with a a new enough team. Um, is it going to be as straightforward? Is it going to be six in a row? Um, simply, I do, I do think it will be six in a row. Um, Dublin just now have to get over the line. They've won so many All-Irons. Obviously, they've won the last five. They won't have any fear of Mayo. They'll respect Mayo. But it's a long time, as you were saying earlier on, since Mayo have beaten Dublin. I think... Over 16 games ago, goes stretches back to 2012. Um, Dublin are on the up. The players pushing on the panel to get in. You Paul Mannion can't get on the yeah. on the starting team. You Brian oh, Howard. So look, I just think they have an array of talent. I think they know how to win all Ireland's, and I think they will. Would you give Mayo any hope? Of course, you'd have to give them hope. Oh, the last number of times Dublin played them in all Ireland finals has only kind of been a point in it. Um, I don't think Mayo will gift us two goals, score two own goals they did a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but in saying that, I, I just think Dublin know how to win. And whether it's four or five points, they just keep the ball. They they don't take wild shots. They work very, very hard for each other. When you see the likes of Paddy Small and Brian Fenton tackling people in the right cornerback, left cornerback position and then moving up the, up the field at pace to be on the end of the score... And you see Dean Rock doing the same thing and he's the highest point score taker, yet he still does the dirty work off the ball. That's the kind of attitude Dublin bring all over the pitch. And when you bring an attitude like that with the talent that they have, very, very hard to beat. Have you uh, seen much of a difference between uh, the Desi regime versus the Jim Gavin regime? Desi's just brought in a couple of his of, of, of new players, I suppose. Uh, Robbie's done great since he's come in. Um, Jack stepped away and everybody thought it was going to be a, a, a huge loss because Jack has been probably one of Dublin's best players over the last number of years and the speed and the excitement he brings to Crow Park but to say that he's he hasn't been missed is a huge compliment to Robbie and Robbie's been getting the scores the last couple of games as well 1-2 and man of the match in the semi-final is a huge achievement um, Jim has kind of just shaken oh sorry Desi's just shaken it up a, a little bit where he's He's brought his own little twist. He has Howard on the bench. He sometimes plays um, Fenton and McCarthy midfield. But it's not too... The team hasn't changed too much over since Jim has gone. You know, the team kind of picks itself. Like, people are people are saying, how is Mannion not on the pitch? How is Brian Howard not on the pitch? How is Cormac Costa not on the pitch? But 
they get on the pitch and when they get on the pitch they do the business as well it's the hardest job Desi has at the moment is trying to keep everybody happy mm. and I say the hardest job he has is to pick the 26 because there's so many players knocking on the door to get into the start in 15 that's the hardest thing Absolutely. and do you think there's not much change because I suppose because of what's happened this year with COVID and stuff maybe Desi would have made more changes if he had a longer year with them no the fact that the lads have won the last five yeah. Like what? What's the point in coming in and breaking that up? Yeah, yeah. Like the system hasn't changed too much. Everything is similar. Stephen is still the captain. Um, the fullback line is still the same. You've, you you have every position. There's probably a man that played there last year. Yeah. Um, like Kenny, um, Conor Callahan. I noticed Conor Callahan's coming out out to half forward and off that now, and he's getting he's catching an awful lot of ball. Didn't realize how good he was in the air. Um, that's a new tactic um, Desi's doing he's, uh, Con's catching off a lot of Stevens kickouts but um, no it wasn't broke so there's no need to yeah. fix it when we look towards Saturday so where can Mayo get at this Dublin team well, look everybody's saying Dublin's Achilles heel is the is the full back line a bit of a myth though isn't it really it is a bit of a myth like I mean there was a couple of balls lamped in the last day Cluckow's good in the air yeah. like he's fit he's, he's strong he's aggressive and when the ball is lamped into the full back line like that your primary objective is just get your fist on it and get it out of there. Like I mean, do the, the the opposition, whether it's Aiden O'Shea or whoever they have in full forward. Although the mark is a is a great incentive for Mayo just mm-hmm. to, to put the ball in. They put in decent ball and you're out in front and you catch it, you have a free shot on goal. Whereas maybe last year when you caught the ball, you had to come down and there was two Dublin lads mm-hmm. hanging out of you and putting you under serious pressure. So the mark might add a bit a bit give them a bit more of a chance I suppose yeah. if they put O'Shea in there and the ball's coming in but the ferocious tackling that happens out the field the ball doesn't go in too easy mm-hmm. and when it's 50-50 a Mick Fitz or a Johnny Cooper or whoever it is generally comes away at the ball Where do you see O'Shea playing? Because obviously just talking about playing midfield full forwards I think it'll be a frustrating day for Aiden O'Shea I think he'll start midfield I think he'll be there for the throw up I think he'll ramble in full forward hoping to get on one of these balls in where he can take a mark and get a score or maybe lead to a goal I think he'll find he'll be in there and he'll be cold yeah. it'll be frustrating in there for him because Dublin dominate so much of the, of the ball around the middle toward they've so many ball winners in there I can't see the ball going in too far from, and then he's going to have to come out and try forage for the ball and when he, he has to start chasing Brian Fenton or James McCarthy he won't be chasing him for long because <laughs> yeah. McCarthy just strides and he's he's gone yeah yeah, they're absolute uh, athletes in fairness to Fenton. And, but I'm trying to, like, as a lot of teams are around the country, every 30 or other counties are trying to pick holes in this Dublin panel and where they can get at them. And as Mick said there, it's a bit of a myth that the full back line is a, is a weakness. But are, like, are the team getting too old or is the regeneration of the lads that are coming through, are they, are they just Steve Stephen's birthday today was 39. So I'd say he brings the average age of the team up very, very much so, because the rest of them are only nippers. You look at, look at Con, look at Kieran Kilkenny, look at the boy Paddy Small in the corner. Robbie's not old. It's it's a young, fit, hungry team, and that's the best thing about them. The hunger that they still have after having the five All Irelands. They just the way they just regroup, push each other, and move on. And humble as well. There's no big headedness about them. Um, even the lads that are gone, damn it, uh, Jack, speak 
really really well of the lads miss it walked away at the right time for them um, no they're just a, a great bunch of lads yeah and it's 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 hard to see like look there's loads of debate going around as to what, what should we do next and it's not Dublin's fault and you, you touched on it there I think the word you use was hunger and no amount of money or no amount of player development no. can, can buy that no no look it's a nonsense I'm sure the same amount of money is being pumped into the hoarders as is the footballers and the hoarders aren't getting over the line it's it's a golden generation of footballers that are two footed that are hungry they're fit and they tackle like hell like we spoke about it earlier on about when they were beaten with Pat Gilroy and they decided to start doing the two sessions they were doing the morning sessions the evening sessions and they were dogging themselves and it was that kind of an attitude and that desire and hunger that got them to an all Ireland final in 2011 and eventually got them over the line and all they needed to do was win one and then the ball was going to start rolling and rolling. Players are eager to get on the team. When they're on the team, they're eager to keep the jersey. It's just it's just a great spot to be. It is. So, look, you've obviously gone for a, a Dublin win. Yeah. By how much? This is the thing. This is the thing with Dublin. Um, Where's your Dub- Probably bet. <laughs> I, I, I think the handicap. I think the handicap is five, and Dublin can frustrate you like that. But um, because when Dublin were playing Mayo in two thousand six in the semi final, Dublin were winning by six yeah. points, and Mayo beat Dublin that day, and Kieran McDonald was scoring cracking points and all that. Mm. But if that was the Dublin team of today, Kieran McDonald would never touch the ball because they would have played the ball across the pitch, back and forth, and back and forth, and that's what they'll do on on Saturday whether it's they're one point up, four points up, five points up, they'll keep the ball. And I think McStay done a, a diagram on the Sunday game there last week that Dublin, all Dublin scores come just around the D. You don't see you don't see Fenton taking a wild shot from 45. It's all around the D where it's a guaranteed score. Well, you spoke about, um, or so even as regards money, there was... Um there's a lot of talk with Dublin getting money and they've like flooded the backroom team. Back when you were playing in 2005, there was still a huge backroom team. Now, and most of them were all volunteers. Obviously, you pay your physios and yeah. you pay your doctors, as, yeah. as you do. But there's a huge amount of volunteers that were there doing the kit, doing whatever else. Like So, yeah. having a big backroom team is nothing new, not only to Dublin, but to other teams around the, around the country. And like that doesn't, for me, that doesn't, that doesn't wash either, like. No, I don't think the money's gone directly to the Dublin players. I know it's definitely not. It's gone, been pumped into the schools, whereas the young kids, the six, seven, eight-year-olds, it's trying to attract them to Gaelic football because you could easily lose them to whatever it be, rugby, soccer. That's what you're competing with, basketball, it's all the, these different sports. And I suppose it's just getting someone into the into the schools to, to teach the young, the young kids from an early age. That's all it is, and that's where the money's gone. Yeah, and look, to be honest, uh, it's my own personal opinion, I'd be happy for the the money to be distributed because a, a one sided tournament in any sport is not fun for anyone. Look at the All Blacks when they were winning all the Rugby World Cups, yeah. no fun for anyone else. And look, while we're enjoying great success at the moment and we're enjoying it, user. Yeah, well, I said we. <laughs> I said <Yeah>. we. <laughs> it's 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 not as much fun for everyone else. And look, to be honest, I would far rather. I know we've had a rivalry with Mayo, but I, like you need a Kerry, you need yeah. a strong Cork, you need a Galway, you need a. Absolutely, Donegal, all these coming up, coming up, coming up, and challenging like. But the 
thoughts of splitting Dublin two is farcical, and it's not going to happen. Yeah. And Alan Brogan made a good point: is this the this the splitting Dublin two is not going to help the Longfords, the Louds, or any of these teams? No. It's just to make make it easier for Kerry and Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Yeah. But um, no, it's not going to happen. Um, but equally, Ke- Kerry and Tyrone and Mayo don't want to play Dublin North. They don't want to play Dublin South. They want to play Dublin. Certainly not. And even when you're talking about Cavan there the last day that they wanted to take it to Breffney Park or, or, or take Dublin out of Crow Park. If you're a Cavan player and you're in an All-Ireland yeah. semi-final, where do you want to play? Yeah. You want to play in Crow Park. 100%. When your dream as a young kid is to play for your county in Crow Park and to play Dublin All-Ireland final, semi-final in Crow Park, that's what Cavan would have wanted. And that's no. what they got. Exactly. And look, if uh, as a group of players this Dublin panel haven't spoken to a couple of them they're so driven like they will play you in the car park you know what I mean they, they don't care where they play but it's it's not their decision it's the Leinster Council or it's the GAA yeah. who decides this venue isn't big enough this venue isn't big enough and if you look when they've been asked to travel down to Port Leash or Kilkenny super like, support super support yeah. and the towns welcome them you look yeah. at you. Yeah. I've been a Dublin supporter since I finished in 2005 so for 15 years and Love the away trips, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Dublin love the away trips. The fans love the away trips. The towns love the away trips because of the, the the amount of people, the money it generates. People going down there, Kerry, Galway, Tyrone, away Donegal, and people go and busloads go. Yeah, yeah. Dublin have great support. If Dublin were to play their first three championship matches away, they'd still have great support, and they would love it. It's, as you said earlier, it's not up to Dublin where it's played. It's totally up to Crow Park and where the revenue is and where it's going to get the most money in and they won't move Dublin out of Crow Park next year because of the no money this year they'll want to be raking it in yeah big time they're losing out both gate receipts and advertising the whole lot is there is there a silver bullet Darren is there like a, a, a fix as to where the money goes or, or what the, like obviously Dublin's dominance obviously it's let's bring everyone else on I don't think it's a quick fix or it's not a quick fix like Dublin won all Ireland in 2000 or sorry 95 then they didn't win their next all Ireland until 2011 mm-hmm. and that's a long long time and there was no quick fix and many many players played in them in between years that didn't win now there's players that have seven they've won seven of the last ten but them there wasn't money pumped into them players it was it was volunteerism and coaching and hard work like I mean money didn't get them players where they are today none of it like I mean going out like you look at James McCarthy you look at the Brogans their fathers represented Dublin they were out in the field kicking ball off their left and their right from a young age to follow in their dad's footsteps nothing to do with money nothing to do with money at all you know so I think it's nonsense. Is, is this like, is this going to be continuous for the next 10, 20 years? Do you think, or is this general? With, with Dublin, like, yeah, just a golden generation. Like, it's a go- it's a golden ge- it's a golden generation. Look, lads, Kerry should have bet Dublin last year in yeah. the in the drawn game. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Cooper was sent off. They had an extra man for 40, 45 minutes. Mm. They had the chances to win the game. They just couldn't do it. Whether whether on the day, um, they bottled it. They missed chances. But Dublin worked like dogs. Yeah, yeah. The 14 men worked like dogs and worked, like I mean, that extra fitness wasn't through money. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, through yeah. hard work and determination and but fighting for each other. Exactly, it's the hunger you said. Like 
them lads, they'd won four in a row. They could have easily gone, all right, now we'll, you know, that, that's enough. But the, the talk is now that they'll do 10, and people are saying they'll do 10, they're ruining Gaelic football. It should have been four and stopped, but Kerry didn't do it, you know that way? So that, that's where it is. Um, they the finals maybe big margins like? They don't. No, yeah. they've got over the line in a couple of all lines. Yeah, Tyrone, I think, was six points, yeah. five or six points, and the rest have been a point. Yeah, yeah. So how can you say a team is so superiorly dominant and they're winning matches by a point? Look, Kerry should have won the last or should have won last year. The underdog has to win the the, the drawn match, win the first match. Going into yeah. the replay, you knew Dublin were going to just beat them, and mm-hmm. um, they had the chances, didn't do it. Um, Dublin weren't going to slip up like that again but the work rate and the tenacity of the 14 lads and the fellas that came off the bench the last day or last year for Dublin fantastic yeah just I suppose I want to go back to uh, the final that's ahead of us on Saturday do you think the crowd not being there is going to help either side I think it helped Mayo David Brady came out and he said it he said like I mean for young lads coming up like I mean with all this Covid stuff they're kind of isolating so they're not mingling they're not around the club they're not talking about the game because talking about it boring you out you're talking about the same questions you people hassling you for tickets you yeah. don't want to let your friends down you don't want to let your family down sorting tickets out there it has to be draining there's none of that this year there's no tickets there's no real talk there's no one stopping you and then I don't know I used to love playing in front of the hill I'd say it's daunting to play into the hill when Dublin start getting a roll on you and it gets noisy and the crowd comes up or the, the noise levels pick up so for that not being there maybe it'll be a little boost for Mayo yeah it's hard to know because in fairness to Mayo they bring phenomenal support every, yeah they, they every, have super every, support as well every game they bring super support and I remember uh, when Kino O'Connor kicked uh, an equaliser was in Crow Park in, in six seventeen, and the noise and I remember yeah. I remember saying to myself wow yeah. fucking hell that's 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 something almost like now I was in the stand. I wasn't down the hill end. I was down. Yeah. I was in the stand, so I was far away from the hill. But the noise. I remember. I remember actually noticing. Going, Jesus, that's fucking loud. Like I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but going back to the mindset of the Dublin players, and when Lee Keegan kicked the goal, yeah. And he's since said in an interview, he said the Dublin players. There was no reaction on them. Yeah, yeah. No reaction. They just turned around. Cluxon gets the ball, puts his tee down, plays the short pass, so and then they're working their way up. And then all of a sudden they kick one point. And then the goal, the three points, is back down to two straight away. And then they're facing the kick out. So there was no reaction out of Dublin lads. Remember, and I think Pat Gilroy got rid of it years ago when Dublin scored a goal. You were nearly jumping the fence to get into the hill to celebrate. It was kind of soccer and you were yeah. hugging and kissing or whatever. There's none of that anymore. It's professional. You turn around, you get the ball. If it goes in the net, it's just the end of a process. It's gone into the net. You turn around, you get your man, refocus and they're driven and that's what they do you don't see like Robbie scored a goal the last day he was delighted with himself but he was running back to his right <laughs> or left half back position yeah, I don't know yeah. and that's the, when Jack when Jack was scored a goal last year and he's pointing he wasn't pointing giving the socks to the crowd he was pointing at someone to get back in this position to cover the man and that's how driven they are and how focused they are you mentioned Robbie there how impressive have you been with him he's been brilliant yeah. yeah he's been super yeah. he really has and to get man the match in the, in the, in the semi-final topped yeah. it off for him he's a definite starter now on Saturday and forced all Ireland for him and it's, it's what a place to be yeah that's good so I suppose um, you speak about back in the day when 
the lads used to go to the hill and celebrate. That was that was your era, Darren. Let's be honest. Yeah, well, look, I think it was more. I think it was. I think Cosy uh, Ray Cosgrove used to lose the used to lose the run of himself, and he used to do it a lot. I wasn't scoring that many goals. There was a, there was one time where the ball came across, and Desi went for it, and Desi went for a seventy thirty ball, and he was on the thirty, and he got a flick to it, and he got nailed, and he was flat out on the ground but Ray was able to tap it in and Ray, <laughs> Ray was, was there, Ray was giving yeah, yeah. it socks in front of the goal in front of the hill arms in the air yeah. waving everywhere and Desi was cabbaged on the ground <laughs> and he didn't care but uh, oh, look they were great days and I suppose when Tommy Lyons came on board in 2002 he Tommy was great with the media and look when you're going to talk it up you have to be prepared to get smacked down. Mm-hmm. And when 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 it was going well for Tommy, it was going fucking great. The Celtic Tiger was roaring. Every match in Crow Park for Dublin back then, whether it be a quarter final, semi final, mm-hmm. Leinster, uh, final Leinster, it was 82,000. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. noise was oh, electric. It was super, super time. Unfortunately, we only, we only won the two Leinsters back then, as in 2002, 2005. But um, yeah. But Leinster was com- like properly competitive really back then. then. Yeah. Really, really competitive, and you could have like you had Kildare, um, then when we won in two thousand two, then you had Leash the following year. You'd Westmead, Party goes down there, and he'd done a job on Westmead then, and then back to us in two thousand five. Leash had won it as well. Yeah, yeah it was usually usually competitive. Yeah, so I'm sort of going. I can understand to a point why Dublin would go so batshit crazy and celebrate because it's just something that we weren't used to do you know what no, I mean we, we, absolutely we, we had a current spell of winning no Leinsters not even get to an All-Ireland final so and let's be honest like I remember at the time the dubs whenever we won like a Leinster these were celebrities like these were you know it, it was great and it was huge euphoria and a whole lot so it's 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 easy to get caught up in that yeah look I'm, I'm not saying they're not, they're not getting carried away but nowadays they don't they just think they're at the end of the ball. Like if the ball is worked up the pitch and they have to be in the right position and they're there, you look at a lot of a lot of Dublin's goals, it's a hand pass across the square and it's a hand ha- handed in. Now, the fellow that hands it in, he gets the reward for the goal. He doesn't go running around celebrating because it's after been worked all the way up the pitch. Whereas back in our day we probably would we probably would have. Um I, Ray wasn't the only one there. There's a few no, 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 no. Over the that's... hill and giving it the beans. <laughs> giving it socks, yeah. But I remember uh, famously 2005 when we won it. You won the last kick out. Against Leash, yeah. Against Leash, yeah. A very tight game. And in fact, Dublin had to win four games to win Leinster that year. A lot of tough games. Uh, went down to the wire with a couple of comebacks as well. But you won the ball and... These are these are the days where you started running towards the hill. I had the ball in my hand and I was running towards the hill because the, the whistle went. It, it was the last kick of the game and Cloco put it up high. And it was one of them, had they won the ball, he would have given an extra play. I just you felt he was playing for a draw, the fecker, you know that way? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> delighted, whistle goes, start running towards the hill. But there was no plan A or plan B then. The hill started running towards me. So I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, I better turn and get out of there. And the pitch was swamped. And then, what a feeling, though. You know, it was great euphoria. We were back after winning the Leinster after three years. And it was brilliant. Um, How was the party? The party was always good, yeah. <laughs> always good. 
Uh, like Dublin had a famous Monday club. A bit of golf out in Holly's Town, and, and then there, there was a there was a bus. I didn't, didn't get on that. I didn't get on the Vanga bus that night. Now thank God they were going around taking people out. In the they called the Collie Morin's house, and he was in his pajamas and all in bed. Yeah. And they called the Rays. I think they called the Keeney's house. I think, think, yeah, yeah. They to get, get past Sylvie Keeney, which is no mean feat. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good days, good days. What did, what was your relationship with Tommy Lyons like? T- Tommy was, yeah, he was okay. Yeah. He was okay. He, he was hard work at times. Yeah. In what way, like? Oh, I wouldn't be being disrespectful to him if I said he pissed an awful lot of kind of players off at times. Yeah. We, sometimes we didn't know what he was doing. Like, um, he he had won. Sorry, he'd, sorry, Darren, just to cut across there. In what way people didn't know what he was doing? Oh, players wise, do you know yourself? Uh, the weekend before a championship match and the A's and B's are playing and you kind of say to yourself this is the 15 that start and, and di- you know if you're going to be in the subs or not you know by how you're going yeah. and we were going into the leash match that we lost and he picks out the feckin' team and there was a few strange names now. and we're saying what the fuck was he doing there you know like you could see you know if a fella's doing well on the B's Say and he's springing and he's he's fantastic. He said to himself, "This fella could start here now." You know, don't you remember Tom Mulligan when he was oh, say, yeah, playing Tom, yeah. A's and B's? Tom would be flying. Say mm-hmm. he'd say, "You wouldn't be surprised if he started." But the team he selected that time, there was two or three that said to himself, "How the fuck are they starting?" Yeah. And we got caught. We went out against Leash and got caught. Mm-hmm. And that's. I the, always got the vibe that he enjoyed the attention that came with being the manager of Dublin. Like, as I say, when he took over first. He got so much uh, people on board, yeah. and he got all the papers on board, and he generated an awful lot of uh, good media. feeling towards yeah. and a lot of media towards. But when you're doing that, it's good to enjoy the ups. But when things go sour, the same people that talk you up want to kick you down. Like there's only like 18 inches between yeah. what well, slapping the back and a kick, kick in the arse, arse yeah. and he got a kick in the arse then. You know that way, and people were happy to do it to him then. Like he came out. In 2003, we lost to we, we, we lost the Leinster. We were going through the back door. We went up. We bet Derry, and then we were playing Armagh, uh, yeah. and we were beating Armagh by four or five points. McKeever was after doing something to me. I think he tipped off me, but I lay down well, and I got he got he got sent off. <laughs> and we were a man up four or five points up, and I was taken off. I had a bit of a shoulder injury at the time, and then Clucker went to do a kick out. And a fella stood in front and kicked the ball. And Stephen kicked him, and then Stephen got sent off. That, yeah. That's right. So, yeah. so when Stephen got sent off, he took off Johnny McGee. Now I was playing midfield. Johnny McGee was playing centre back, and we were two big men down the middle, and there was a hole then. Mm-hmm. Brian Murphy, not saying any way disrespectful to Brian Murphy, he's not as good in goal as Stephen was, yeah. and Stephen's kickouts would have been so precise and so. So the whole dynamic was changed. Midfield had gone, centre back gone. Goalkeeper gone, and then Armagh just turned us over. Would I blame Tommy for that? I, I blame for the substitution. He came out after the match and he said, "Listen, I think we would have won the match had Stephen not got sent off." Yeah. What he said was correct. You know, yeah, he was passing the blame on, though, was he? People felt he was passing the blame on. The statement he made was was fairly accurate, though. Had Stephen said on the pitch, I feel we would have won. Yeah, we yeah. would have won the game. He was kind of passing the blame, but look, that's. Were you happy when he was gone? Was I happy when he was gone? Um, first of all, when when you're playing under a manager and he's and he's playing it, 
you're happy that he's there. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if he's not playing, you, you want him gone. Yeah. But you were still, still playing. When he was gone, then all of a sudden you're saying, who the fuck's going to take over this? Yeah, and, that yeah. way. and then Pillar was under Tommy and saying, what's Pillar going to be like? But then Pillar came in, he set a stall out the first night in Parnell Park and saying, yeah, this could be good. This could be good. And he brought in Clarke. What, uh, what, what was your memories of that day then? Yeah. I was going to say, what impressed yeah. you about that, that meeting? Oh, he was, <coughs> Pillar was quiet under Tommy, I suppose, but then when he, that meeting there, he just laid out what he wanted and where he thought we'd go and just like this backroom staff as well. Clark, he, he would, won in all Ireland in 95, he'd have an awful lot of respect for him and, and even, I know he left the panel, or he left this year, Desi, but he was involved with Jim all through the years and looked after the O'Bourne Cup teams when the lads went away on the holidays and all that, so would have a lot of respect. It just looked, it was going to be good, you know, like we felt... Um, we felt we were, weren't that far away. We always felt we could win in All Ireland. We never fucking did. Now the closest we got was two thousand and two, to the Armagh game and the last. As I say, said to you earlier on, people remember the chance, the free at the end. But if you the match was on there a couple of months ago and it's horrifying to watch the amount of chance. I, I remember kicking one into the keeper's hands myself, and and the amount of chances that we had during the game. Every chance counts. Now that way, whether you miss it in the last minute or you miss it in the first minute, mm. they all add up. All and and, and you know what? We left it behind, you know? Mm. We really did. I suppose so. 2005 was your one and only year over with Peter Caffrey and it came to an, an abrupt end. And Yeah. What, uh, I suppose, can you tell us what actually happened? Yeah, we were after, we were after playing Tyrone um, on the Sunday and I, I didn't start, but came on and done quite well. And I, I kind of, not that I was saying earlier on, you kind of mm. know when you're doing well, you're going to get in the next day. But I, I was after joining the fire brigade two years prior, and I was in work that Saturday morning. But I got a phone call off Desi, and Desi in his own way, you know what, you're going to start the next <laughs> day. It'd be great, Jesus, it'd be great if you could melt to the train, and you know. So I said, fuck it. So I said, to, I got permission off the, the station officer, I said, all right, we'll go train. So he says, yeah. So went out training. Um, remember, I said to Brian Murphy, as playing as playing to be as Wheeler was marking me, going well though. Um, he kicked the ball out, was hanging in the air, went up to catch it. Wheeler just went up behind me. He caught me with his knee in the back and his elbow in the neck, and I kind of um, hit the deck. Obviously, I had no feeling from my hips down Jesus. for for about thirty forty seconds, but kind of felt like fucking ages. You know that when yeah, you're lying yeah, on the ground. Geez. So I went off. Did <laughs> obviously didn't get back to work. They hear <laughs> they, they heard on the radio <laughs> that I wasn't that I wasn't going back. Um, and all of a sudden, and then so I went to um. Went to the hospital, got discharged the next day, and went and got the MRIs. And I went to this fella, Morehouse was his name, and he said, he got the MRI, and he said, I'll have them results in a couple of days. And I'm on the way home, and the carrier rings me, will you come back? Oh, and I says, oh, bollocks. It's not good so I rang, went back, and he says, listen, he says, that's fucking terrible, that's bad now. He says, recommend you give up sport, give up altogether. And I, tears are coming to my eyes. And he says to me, I know how you feel. He says, if someone told me I couldn't surf again, I'd feel the same. And I said, fucking surfing? We were already playing around the following week. I was guaranteed to be starting. And this fellow wants to talk about a surfboard. <laughs> so I said, fuck that. So I got talking to, so went out the next week. I said to myself, I think I've proven wrong. 
Sorry, Darren, did they say what it was? Or? Oh, yeah. And uh, this leads on to, I have from C3 to C6, I did an awful tightening. Um, the vertebrae were pushing in on my spinal cord. So, so this leads on to another story. So, um, every year since I'd been getting it checked, I've been getting an MRI. So I went to my GP, uh, go across to, to SSE to get my MRI um, last, say, October, November. And they said, a woman says to me, were you in an accident? And I said, no. And she goes, all right. I said to myself, fuck, that didn't sound good, you know. <laughs> you only have to get off the table with the buzzing. So, uh, Fico Connor, who's a, who works out in SSC, he said to me, I'll get you in with a fella, Michael Kelleher. So, got, got it out to Kelleher, and I went out to see him the following day. He says to me, look, he says, you need to have surgery straight away. So, he got me in for surgery nine days later. So, I had C3 to C6 laminectomy, which is basically taking out the vertebrae in, in your neck so what? I have so I've, I'm like fucking Robocop there now <laughs> I haven't got through the airport yet because the airport's will be closed but I don't know what it's going to be like so so that was that was a bad time I was six weeks in a collar and then out of work for seven months I was in a I was in a jock for a long time it was really had that last um, a year ago I had it December 2nd last year seven months how'd you cope with that Hard, yeah. hard, yeah. I was in Sanji for eight days, really, really tough. Then six weeks with the neck brace, very, very, because mm. you couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, if you put your hand on the back of your neck and do anything, it moves. You know, that way, mm. with a walk, you want to move your toe, you want to move your finger, and you couldn't do anything. So it was, it was, it was quite sore. But, um, that, and that stems back to, to Wheelow's tackle in 2005. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm not going after him for compensation or anything like that. And he has a few good numbers with the, all the paperwork in the Sunday game. He, he works in Allianz as well, so, you know. He's oh, a, is he gone from Allianz? I think he could, used to work I, in Allianz I anyway. Could, I think he could be gone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that that's my, <laughs> that's what. What was Wheelow's reaction to when the tackle oh, happened? The, like? See, I was gone off. Yeah. And. If they were doing the, the, the dub season or whatever and you could see them in oh, the circle yeah. and you could see he was shocked and you could see Pillar talking to him and stuff like that and look he came up to the hospital and all it, pure accident yeah, you know yeah, yourself yeah. when you go for a ball you raise your elbow and you raise your knee and whatever so, but, but um, that that happened in 2005 and in 2006 and 2000 another way you say to yourself Grant Grant I'm going to try again so he said was that Morehouse fella with a surfboard. I'm not ta- <laughs> not taking his opinion anymore. I'm going to someone else. So I went and seen someone else. And he said, look, it's up to yourself if you want to play or not. So I went back to play. I went back to playing with, with the club, Ballybone. But I was just going back to play as and have a bit of crack. And people were going out to play against the old Darren Holman who... And they wanted yeah, to fucking. Yeah, yeah. And did you, did you go back senior or did you go back at a? a lower I, I shouldn't level? have went back senior, but Roland Hall was kind of looking after the time. He says try it for a while, and I shouldn't have. I should have just went back lower because, as I say, I was out for the crackdown and, and have a game of yeah. ball, and people were out marking me, and they wanted to. Yeah, target you. Yeah, tag me. And years ago, would have been great fun to have that. You know, mm. we used to enjoy that end of the game, but I wasn't into that anymore. You know, and there's no point in getting hurt. So how long did you? Stick with senior. How long? Did you, how long more did you play football? <laughs> Lucky enough that when I went back playing that year, I think I think it was two thousand and seven. The Dublin Juniors were were going well, and Paul and Wayne, Wayne, he rang Mick 
uh, Mick Deegan and Mick, what's it, Galvin, and said, yeah. look, Darren's playing away, he's doing all right. And this is, so I would have played a bit, Deegan was still on the panel, or Deegan was on the panel when I was introduced in 96, you know that way. So he says, come on out for a trial, went out, done well, and stayed on it. Now, one, so won the All-Iron, bet was common in, in the All-Iron in the yeah, final. With Dennis Bastic as well, Dennis, no, no Dennis Bastic and... With some serious oh, players in that junior Ono Gar. Ono Gar was in the panel. Mick yeah. Fitz was there, Darren Daly was there. Yeah. He's a sum team. Oh, it was an unbelievable team. Split Dublin juniors in two. <laughs> that's, that's what would have had to. Dublin even don't have a junior team anymore. No, no they don't. Gone, yeah, no. Yeah. So, look, that was, to go back and, and just play football again and to wear the blue jersey again, I suppose. Look, it's very hard to walk away. And not the way you talk about elite sports people walking away and what do they do? You know what I mean? I was kind of lucky in a way. I had just joined the fire brigade a couple of years previous and you have your seven nights a month, seven nights and seven days and work. You know what I mean? So you have that bit of laugh, the lads, you're with the same 16, 17 lads, you have that camaraderie ship that you lose when you walk away from a team because you're not doing your training to Tuesdays or Tuesdays or Saturdays. You kind of have no structure anymore. Mm -hmm. So to have that, and then my young lad was born, that gave me a different direction as well. You know that way? So, because it's a big loss when you walk away. Yeah, and look, as as, as you probably highlighted, many, no one can replace it. it just, no, it's, no, it's just, the highest, the highest no. of it, no. And I suppose the crack you have, and <laughs> back then there was no WhatsApp groups to leave. You know that way? It's all the talk now is, you see in all the books and the Bernards and the demos. Yeah, and but hang these. on, there was no videos either, which was a great yeah, thing. Yeah, that was a great thing. <laughs> you leave the WhatsApp group now and that's that's the sad farewell, but no. Yeah, that's kind of, you just leave it there and then you're gone. What, what did Pillar say to you when you were gone? Like, oh, Pillar came, in, Pillar came into the hospital and he said, because it didn't know the extent of it at the time, he said, look, just let you know, if you're all right, you're starting. And yeah. I was like, oh, just knew it wasn't all right. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. That probably made it worse, though, did it? Yeah, yeah. And then we went out against Tyrone, and, and we were beaten. You know, um, took us a, took Dublin a couple of years to beat Tyrone, and now since we start beating them, that's stop. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're beating everybody. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it is great. But come here, you're uh, you're a Kilmarnock fella, and yeah. Kevin's was your yeah. was your first club. Yeah. Um, and what brought you to Bowden? As in, did Kevin's obviously. Well, sure, you can you can tell the story. Actually, look, I was with Kevin's, and we had a great team with Kevin's. But we were intermediate; we could never get senior, and we got to so many finals, and we could just never get off the over the line. We never, we never lost a championship match with fifteen men, and that was our problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was a few. There was a few. The well. there, was a, there was a few wild lads on it. Now I was always the shy lad. I was going to say that that way you're behind the yeah. behind the door. But, uh, so we that so that that was that then and it was sort of coming to an end and Paul Bealan went to Ballybow in St. Andrews yeah. Wayne Daly and the two rows went to Thomas Davis's. now I didn't know where to go I was with I was still with Kevin's but all the lads kind of went and if the truth be known, I couldn't go that year because I was saving a little suspension for something I'd done in a Trench Cup final. I thought you said you were never involved in the fights. I got caught on something I shouldn't have done. Hang on, Trench Cup. Trench Cup. What college were you in? DIT. DIT. And who were you playing against when this happened? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember who it was. Tell was us more. Chile? Keep going. I know <laughs> oh, we, we, we'd won it and I was being pissed at all match. Mm. All, all match. Do you remember who it was? Ah oh, no, some little shit. <laughs> but he, Hope he, he, he was taken off, and I stupidly uh, confronted him in his dugout after the game. 
right. So um, Jack Bootman was the president at the time and all. He was at the match. Look, mm. I got a, I got a long suspension out of it. It wasn't worth it. Yeah, like yeah. as I keep preaching to the lads today. When you get sent off, the only one you're hurting is really ultimately is yourself. You're hurting yeah. your teammates and all that. Now mine was after the game, which was even worse, you know. But mm. it meant it meant I couldn't play for a long time with the club and all that. But how long did you get? Twelve months. Jesus Christ. But anyway, the lads went to Davis's, and because the three of them went to Davis's, I went to Day. I followed them up to Davis's, and I just never, I just didn't sit fit in yeah. because I was training, because I was training with the county, um. You, you, there's no crack you don't know the lads you, you go up yeah. and you meet them they're not your friends from school they're not your mm. pals so I wasn't really really outgoing anyway so I didn't know them they would talk who the fuck is he he's coming up here he gets his game fucks off no, so I didn't really yeah. fit in so it wasn't it wasn't a good fit so then I went to Ballyboden the following year so not a bad return either you got a a, a bit of success out of Bowden but after you finished up did you uh, you went to another club then afterwards from Bowden, well, my two brothers were playing. Two brothers were playing with um, Round Towers, and I was just about finished. And the, Division Two, getting a good team together. Tom Kelly from Leeds was going down. That's right. Greg Ramsbottom was down there. Went down there. Won Division Two. Went up to Division One. Coordinator Paul Curran came down as the manager. So it was a good, good stint down there. I got injured then. Two thousand. So that was two thousand and five. Got injured. Started to manage them with Paul the next year, and that was it. Then, the young was born in two thousand seven. He was always going to be playing with Paddy Bowden, so the club. And you're uh, you're involved in a bit of the coaching down below. Yeah, yeah, but, but I've been involved for the last number of years. Um, Sean's team is under 13s this year. We under 14s next year, obviously. Uh, been involved with them for three or four years, and it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's great to see the lads. It's great to see how how good they have become over the last number of years, and. And that's what I'm saying. We have them at, at, at underage, 10s, 11s, 12s, kicking with their left, kicking with their right, getting them comfortable like that. And I'm not getting paid off by Bowden. And if mm. any of these lads do well in years to come, it's not because of fucking money in Dublin. It's because they got good training. Yeah. And it's because of people volunteering and going and doing this. Like I'm not the only one that does it. There's hundreds and hundreds of coaches down there. The mm. hardest thing Buddy Bowden is supposed to get a pitch. <laughs> it's, it's the hardest thing, you know, because yeah. there's so many clubs and so many people volunteering. But that's what it's all about. It's all about volunteering. Would yeah. you have any interest in going into management in the future? Ah, look. As I say, I don't know. No. I, I enjoy what I'm doing with because I, I get out to, with my own lad yeah. and I get out and enjoy doing that with him. Um when I finished, I done a, a, a little bit of management. Say I done, I done it with, with Paul with Round Towers. Went up to do a little bit with St Marks, but the, the commitment wasn't there. You'd, you'd have to have the same commitment as you'd have, you know that way. Yeah, yeah. And tell us this um, with the with the young lads, like it's probably a lot different to what you were coached when you were that that age. Totally. And, I, and I know you were saying it's very much skills based, but is there anything else changed apart from the skills? Look, if you you have to have a, a certain level of fitness, I suppose, to play any sport. And the f the kids that are good at soccer now are good at Gaelic, they're good at hurling, they're good at basketball. They just they just stand. And tell us this: Would you is your young lad just Gaelic, or do you encourage him to play? No, he play, No, he plays soccer and yeah. he plays he plays hurling as well. So no, he he does the tr look. The only night off you'd have is Thursday because he trains soccer twice a week. Uh, the hurling, the the Gaelic. 
one night each yeah. and then the weekend it's either a Gaelic match a hurling match and a soccer match on the Sunday so that's enough like he's gone down to Clash to Aina now and there into basketball mm. but it's a big commitment there basketball was they, they had to start at 7 in the morning and all that so he hasn't he didn't really push himself and I, I wasn't too bothered no exactly and look it's look as long as he's involved in doing something yeah and like all these skills and we've talked spoken to loads of, of people in the last weeks and months and years and that all those skills are transferable whatever you, you finish up doing yeah. you know what I mean you can if you finish up being a hurler or a yeah. soccer player or a basketball player you'll you'll draw experience and skills from from yeah. everything else how about yourself Darren do you play anything else when you were younger no I just played the game in the hurling just with the schools um, you with a hurl now I yeah. can't imagine is, uh, yeah. I kind of stopped at 17 <laughs> <laughs> sorry you, you stopped or were stopped uh, no, is that where really a band came from <laughs> <laughs> no no um, no look I enjoyed all sports when I was younger as well I played a bit of soccer but um, just had the growl for Gaelic yeah. um, Wally Rowe was the manager down in St. Kevin's he kind of took me under his wing, gave me an electrical apprenticeship <laughs> and the condition you were going to play football with him. You know that way? He was a great man. He, like, he was like a, a second dad in a way. You know that way? Yeah, yeah. So it was great to learn under him, not just football, but yeah. things things in life. Come here to me, just when you, I was just thinking about, we were seeing at Cluxton earlier on and you're, the last year for yourself in 2005 under Peter Caffrey, um, you didn't get that much game time compared to what you would have got in the, in the past do you think now let's say for example I'm not going to say Shane Ryan took your place but obviously Shane Ryan's playing very well yeah and he's probably they kind of were t- a very mobile you yeah, know midfielder and Cluxton was sort of you coming know, up was that the start was that the start maybe of the Cluxton kickouts if you that, know what I mean that's what I'm getting at that's exactly what it was it was the start of the Cluxton kickouts and Shane was mobile left and right you know that way yeah. like if, if I used to be saying not, talking earlier on you knew how you were doing in training and you'd always catch ball over Shane's head. You know, that we used to look at about foot advantage and not a bad mm. leap. But Shane started doing this left and right and he was making the runs and Stephen started pinging. And that was this kind of a start of Stephen going short or Stephen finding him as a midfield role, yeah. It's unbelievable like that like he's developed it and honed it. That's, that's 15 years ago. Do you know that's what? That's 15 years ago. Cloco was on... Cloco was on the bench in 2001 mm. when Wayne McCarthy kicked the ball short that's right now, like Stephen used to take frees at training and he used to put them over for fun you know like I I remember that match I've seen the match a few times Johnny McGee used to hit 45s as well and you're saying to yourself Johnny's might have went into the crowd or might have yeah. went into the soil like, <laughs> yeah. he would have went dead a bit more agricultural yeah <laughs> he would have got that big fat arse of his behind the ball and plowed it but um, he said to himself like had, had Tommy Carr I don't know what we were for, for substitutes at the time had he been a bit, bit braver and, and, and put Cluxton on for that kick out what would have happened do you know what I mean but that was that would have been so ahead of the curve do you know what I mean? Like, like that, that's. Ste- you look at like, you, yeah, you look at Stephen yeah. started the first match. I think it was against Longford. Davy Bourne was injured, and Davy Bourne was back from injury against Mead in the Leinster final or semi final. First ball in, Davy goes to catch it, drops the ball. Garrity rolls in and punches the ball over the line. Sorry, we yeah. lose the match by two points, chasing that goal for the whole game. I remember talking to Cluxton back then. He was a kid, kid. But he had this air about him that he'd be there or thereabouts. And we were kind of like, look, Davy Bourne is there for this next few years. You know, you learn, do your apprenticeship and you get in, you know, that way. But look, he was driven. He was driven back then. 
could have started back there. He, he, well, he did start that championship match, the fourth championship match, and then I think management gave way to senior already kind of way in Davy Bourne because Cloco was super back then as well. Really, really was. So from day one, it was just obvious. We used to train down the Cotter Brewer Barracks on that Tommy, <laughs> on that Tommy Carr, you know, and you'd have to walk across and, and Cloco was driven. Like, Cloco's fucking mad. Like, like, <laughs> is he though? He is mad. What, what do you mean, like, keeps it private? Though, very, mean? very private now, but, like, I mean, you didn't what, what, what do you mean he's mad, though? Like, as in, OCD, or just, uh, when, fucking... You see a different side of Steve now, he's Dublin captain, and he, he doesn't get involved in social media, and anything like that. Like, when, when he used to be in Coppers after a match there, he'd just come up and be biting the ear off. He'd, like, I mean, if Tucker came, came there, you put your hands up to your ears, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he used to love the Blue Wicked, and he was, he, he was a the bit The Blue mad. Wicked is the famous story. Yeah, you know, but... um. He's honed himself. He's the Dublin captain the last number of years. He's driven. Say he's 39 today, seven All Ireland's, a um, couple of All Stars, player of the year, year last year. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And the, the Nick he's in at the minute, he could keep Super. going. Super. But lads, I was looking, Evan Comerford must have a pain in his rocks yeah. because I watched Evan against Bally Bowden in the goal. championship and the, the camera down behind the, or down at the church end were shown Evans' kickouts. His kickouts were superb yeah. against Bally Bowden that day, and he must have set up five, six, seven scores, kickouts alone. He's been very, very good, and he's been a great understudy. Pairs, I think Stephen Stephen can go for as long as Stephen wants to. I thought with Desi coming on board this year, I thought Stephen might have stepped down and been a selector, sort of similar to what's after happening with Darren Daly. When when I seen Stephen up, I won the match. I think I don't know. One of the early league matches, he was in the stand and he was wearing all the gear and all that. He looked very selective to me, but look, he's 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 shown how good he is on the pitch. He hasn't lost it at all. No, and like his, even like he's still pulling off saves. He's still. It's not he's not lost any agility or like his kickouts are just like uh, like uh, kickouts are brilliant, but they're they're like game changing. As in like, and I don't mean one match. I mean has changed the entire. Yeah. landscape of the GAA and there's lads trying to catch up with him look you can make no doubts about Bones about it or whatever the GAA wanted want Dublin to lose now they brought in this rule that the keeper when he kicks it out you can't get the hand, they can't the hand pass can't go back to the keeper why because mm. every kick out Dublin done last year was 10 yards to the left or 10 yards to the right it was hand pass back to Cluckow and they start walking up the pitch so then they said right we'll stop this it hasn't stopped them at all. They've just made it one simple hand pass and it goes back, you know. Um, but I don't think the GAA have figured out that any new rule or obstacle they put in the way, because Dublin are the best team and the best players and the best coaching, let's say, um, they're the ones who are going to be adapt to it first. They will trial it first, they'll practice it first, and they will probably be the best. So anything they throw in, like, it's probably, it's counterintuitive almost. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Look, the mark didn't make that much of a difference this year. If anything, Dublin have done quite well out of the inside mark. Dean has got a few scores out of it. Paddy Small has done well out of it. Um, I don't think it's really changed the game too much. Um, be interesting to see now on Saturday if Mayo can get something out of it. But to, to get a mark inside, you need someone delivering a good ball from outside, obviously. It's the work rate that goes on outside that stops the ball going in. Like, exactly. like I mean... If any forward worth his metal should beat the back if he has a yard and that the ball is good. But the the work that's done out of pitch 
makes it so makes it so easy for the Dublin defenders. And as well as that, they always have they always have someone there. They have the extra man, whether it's Owen Morton, whether it's Johnny Cooper, Brian Fenton fell into the hole a few times the last couple of matches. There's always someone there. And if you're looking up to kick a ball and you're saying to yourself, look at the fucking size of him standing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to get it over his head and him to catch it without Johnny Batterman. And that's <laughs> and, Johnny Ramos, <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's what's happening, and, and that's why they're so good. Would you have uh, fancied Ma- Mark and Brian Fenton back in the day? Oh Jesus, no, no. <laughs> but you like he, he's majestic in the air. He's brilliant, brilliant. But the the game has changed so much now. You know, like like back then, ball was put in the ground, boom, and two <laughs> fellas went up to try catch the ball, and you caught it grand, and you didn't. It was all about dirty breaking ball. It's not much dirty breaking ball anymore. It's a kick out to the side, yeah. uh, the opposition retreat, and generally Dublin are ahead. So opposite, like I watched the time Tyrone were four or five points down and they flooded the defence. So how are they going oh. to score? All Dublin did was play with the ball, and it was crazy. Makes no sense. Come here. Uh, you would have obviously played with Desi. Did he always show traits of? Wanting to be a coach or being a coach, or was he always that, yeah, that Desi, person with a bit of a word? Yeah, Desi was all, Desi was always good, and uh, yeah, he always had that air about him that you hide the respect for him. You know, was he always that born in interviews? <laughs> I think you have to be born in interviews to be a Dublin manager. Like, used to be, like they used to give out about Jim. Jim, Jim didn't give too much away, and I think Jim's claim to fame was I don't think he started the team he named. <laughs> never, you know, never, never. Waste the program, you know. So yeah, and Desi, Desi kind of falling into the same boat, you know that way. But he, he obviously showed back in the day he was, he wanted to be that that voice, that bit of a a leader, that bit of a. a look, Desi was the Desi was the the founder and the the main man behind the GPA and the main drive behind it, and he got that up and running and got that to the huge success yeah. that it is. So you can see the drive, mm. and that's back. At a time where the GAA wanted nothing to do with it, wanted to try keep it really, really down. Desi, Desi got that going. Come here. I just want to speak about one fella who, um, who you would have played with as well. He was your captain in two thousand and five. Paddy Christie. Paddy. Um, this like what a selfless man. Like and, and for people who don't know, Paddy like did an awful lot of great work in Ballymun with the underage um, structures in there and got very much involved with teaching the area. Uh, then got involved in DCU and now is involved with Tipperary footballers. Like, what is very much I would feel gone under the radar of his achievements. Like they are some remarkable achievements. Everywhere he's gone, there's been success. He's brought two separate teams through Ballymun. Both have won huge amount of success. Yeah. DCU with Sigersons and now Tipperary with a Munster Championship. Yeah. Um, the Ballymun thing is a great achievement. Huge. This, the story behind it is great that the way he used to look after the lads and make sure they got got home and they had needed boots and needed gloves and done that and fair play to that's super super achievement and super players have come out of that and they're all come to fruition now these players now they've won Leinster or they've won Dublin and they won it easy um, I only found out there a couple of weeks ago he was involved with, with Tipperary I didn't yeah. know Um that was kind of kept quiet, and the D or which one the Sigerson one? DCU. The, DCU. That that. Listen, 
cash dollar bills. I think the, <laughs> I think the granny would have picked that team. Yeah. They would have won. That, 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 you know, that was some team, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But it was more the inclusivity. He brought lads in from Ballymun to coach as well. Like you know, it's it's more he. I think he sees the good in people, regardless, and he, he sort of tries bring them on. And there's no prejudice or, or prejudgment. Like I'm just trying to wonder for a guy who was heralded as like probably our best fullback for a decade. Yeah, you know I mean? definitely. What, yeah. What, like he must have had some intensity to him or some sort something to him because he's impossible to figure figure out because. He doesn't get in away, this fella. No, he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He, he doesn't socialise too much. Um, he's he's a quiet lad. As he was mad into his cars back then, and that's why he kind of the the younger lads in the Bally Mum would have been grown. He drawn. He had a big sports car and all that. A quiet, unassuming guy, Paddy. I haven't seen Paddy in a long time, <laughs> yet, to be honest. But a, a, a nice fella. He is. He is. Well, look, Darren, you've been absolutely brilliant with your time. We're going to wrap it up. We're, no, going for, we're going for six in a row? Yeah, I think are we, are so. Are we going honest. for seven or eight or nine or ten? <laughs> Look, I think the hunger and the desire is there. I think players coming through is there. I think there's going to be fellas that's not even on the panel this year, pushing for next year. And that's the that's the great thing about it. Desi, Desi has the net out wide. And fellas will be putting up the hand. People want to keep the jersey and be fellas trying to take the jersey off them. So it's interesting. If it's not us, though, who's the next challenger? I would have talked Kerry. I would have talked Kerry this year. Would have been there or thereabouts. Um, this talk of this quiet down there with, with Peter Keane. Um, I know Tomas O'Shea came out and rubbish that and all that. Mm. But um, I would have taught them. Uh, Galway under Joyce. I would have thought uh, expected a bit more from them. No one seeing Donegal being beaten by Cavan this mm. year. Um, look, there's, there's there's teams out there that that will cause Dublin problems. I think. Uh, our biggest concern on Saturday, if we keep 15 players on the pitch, we won't be beaten. There was times last week against Cavan, Johnny, I love Johnny Cooper, says close to the wind. Mm. He was on a yellow card and he was underneath the Cusick stand and he could just see, he was just about to draw back with the elbow, there was a fella hanging out of him and just saying, Johnny, don't, 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 don't do that. We've a match to come up. You know, that <laughs> if he gets a black card and he's gone for 10 minutes or he gets a red card, we could struggle. Course, because yeah, because yeah. Mayo are flying fit, they have the intensity, and they have they have a grab about them as well. They've been there or thereabouts for the last number of years. They'll see it as they've only lost to Dublin the last two All Ireland finals by a point that they can easily turn that around. That said, Dublin play to the potential. Keep fifteen men the pitch. Dublin should win. Darren Holman, thank you very much. Thanks, Darren. Cheers, no Darren. No